everyone, and welcome to the Mirror Disciple Podcast. This is Pastor Jeff Strong, broadcasting from Nelson, British Columbia. It is a beautiful day today. It is May 14th, and I am really excited to be able to interview Preston Poto. Is that how you pronounce your last name, Preston? Puto. Puto. Yes, it's Puto. French. Yeah. yeah Preston is has... a uh, colleague um, and a fellow pastor. Uh, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, but I'm really excited to have you here because Thanks, man. I just think you're a super cool guy. Well, I think you are a cool guy too. It's, it's like a mutual admiration society here. <laughs> just super, super good. Uh, let's, and, start, let's start with yeah. just, I'm just going to throw over a big question to you and you can run with it as you see okay, cool. fit to fill in the details. Who are you? Yeah, uh, my name is Preston. I'm in Chestermere, Alberta. I love defining myself with with my place. Uh, I uh, I was born in Saskatchewan and spent my young childhood there, and then we moved to to Alberta. and And so I lived in Strathmore, a town east of uh, Calgary. Lived in Langdon, another town east of Calgary. Helped plant a church there, uh, and then living living here in Chestermere, where we helped plant plant this church, and our family helped plant the church in uh, Strathmore. So, so we've been just in this part east of Calgary. It's kind of prairies. It's it's uh, new new communities, and uh, and these are these are my my people. I love them, and uh, I'm married to, to Kelly. She's an emergency nurse works with uh, COVID patients every day. And so mm. she's in a really interesting place in this strange pandemic season. I, I have two young girls, uh, six and three, Scotia and Ivy, and they're full of energy. And, uh, and we're avid gardeners. We, we, I have bees in my backyard. We grow things. And that's, that's just a tremendous passion for us. And mm. yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pastor of Lake Ridge Community Church along with Evan DeWald and and uh and and we have an awesome team of people and we're just we're just learning to love our city well and uh lastly i i i'm i'm doing a lot of writing so i i write about neighborhoods and community in our local news newspaper and then i also uh, write uh, books on on how we pay attention to our neighbors and our place and what that means for our faith and and all of that good good stuff and so that's Mm -hmm. my that is my uh, passion and so yeah get uh, really excited about that that's awesome well um my second question was going to be what do you love i mean it sounds like you've already touched on a number of things but you know yeah to really hear what people deeply deeply love and care about is an important window into who they are and i imagine how you see your uh, vocation as a pastor so what do you love and how does that inform how you lead and pastor people yeah i i I, th- I think what I love is what is what is beautiful, and I've been I've been toying with this word beautiful for for years and years now, and and I like it because because I haven't landed with it yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't d- d- defined what is what is beautiful yet. I I think that that I've weeded out perfect things as as being beautiful. You know, the chiseled marble statue. I I I don't find that beautiful. I find growing things beautiful i find messy things beautiful and 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 it often leads me to people at the end of the day i i find i find people fascinating and and uh, even in their even in their brokenness and and even in their in their shame and their hurts and their many efforts at creating things i find i find them especially good and god god called people good and uh 
and his creation good. And so I'm, I, I, I think that Jesus is inviting me into just this long journey of discovery of, of what is beautiful. And so I, I, I really love what is beautiful. And, and, it, uh, and, you know, I live in suburbia here. Uh, this is, this is, you know, suburbia was never the master plan. My, my wife, Kelly was, was, a, was a missionary in Africa and, and intended to live in a mud hut. And so when we moved into our suburban home, uh, here with nice marble countertops, we kind of looked at it and said, uh, you know, like, like, uh, we just, we, we just weren't, weren't, weren't compelled by it. But along the way, we discovered that in this kind of very sterile space, we can, we can create beauty. And so we, we garden and we gather people and we have a nice long kitchen table and we, and we love, 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 um, meeting and knowing people around us. And I think that that's, uh, that that's what, what I fundamentally love. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's really well said. Um, let me jump on that mm-hmm. and ask, you know, you, you have done a lot of writing and you do a, a consistent sort of um, article yeah. that is, mm-hmm. is it all over Canada, all over the U.S.? Well, the no, oh, uh, no, 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 it is, it is far, far more local, but it's syndicated out to, to, to a few places. And so, okay. yeah, it is, uh, it started here. Uh, the Chestermere Anchor is, is, is our local paper. Uh, you know, I think it goes out to like 8,000 people or something. Uh, but over time, uh, it has been picked up in, in some other places too. And really, and it's called Into the Na- Neighborhood. Um, and it just happened that the guy uh, uh, that owned the paper, we were sitting around at, at having a meal and, 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 and he leans over and just says, surely Christians have something more to say than just, you know, telling us how to be morally, you know, fix ourselves up. And so hmm. he, he, and we had the best conversation and uh, he said, what, this is about five or six years ago. He said, what would you write about? And, and I have, of course, did, didn't prepare anything. And I said, I would talk about something that Jesus was really keen on. And that was how we love our neighbors. And he said, do you think you could write, write about that and I said well I can probably write four four columns that's probably (laughs) probably all I got in me about how we love our neighbors and I think we are now going on to like 270 or something now and 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 I've just discovered over and over that this 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 conversation of loving neighbors this is a deep well uh we we have barely scratched the surface and we have very little language for how we talk about how we love our neighbors and at first I thought it was like you know, the first one was how to have a barbecue, how to say hi. <laughs> and after that, I'll come up with two more. And then that, that'll be it. Because right. we as Christians, we, we haven't really thought through. and We don't have a very good vernacular or, or way of talking about our neighbors and loving them. But yet this was so important to Jesus, how we love our neighbors. And, uh, you know, we can go on with theology all, all day long. We can we have we have whole we have historical theology, pastoral theology, practical theology, biblical theology. You know, we have come up with every liberation theology. Like the list goes on and on and on <laughs> about how we talk about lo- our love of God. But what if I said, what's you know, biblical love of neighbor? You know, historical love of neighbor? You know, created all of those frameworks mm. for it. I think we could start to dive in and go, oh, there are a lot of ways we can talk about love of neighbor. Uh, there's ways we fail at loving neighbor. I fail at loving my neighbors all the time, and there's so much to mine even there, right? And so, so it, it has been it has been just a joy of I think my work in life is to is to mine that a little bit, and 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 I keep telling others, come join me. There's there's just a pool of things we can talk about here. So, mm. and it seems like, I mean, 
um, discussions around place and space and how we inhabit that place that for me began to emerge uh, I don't know maybe five or six no longer than that now I guess seven or eight years ago and that was sort of a precursor to us moving and transitioning out here to Nelson and yet those conversations around neighborhood around what does it mean to love my neighbor I think in light of this whole pandemic that stuff has sort of been ratcheted up to 11 out of 10 in terms of importance and I think you would agree with that and can you kind of maybe for someone who's listening and saying, well, I don't, I don't really, I don't really get it outside of the, the stuff of, yeah, I guess maybe I've had a heightened awareness of who my neighbors are because I'm home more and maybe, yeah. yeah, in the future I'd like to do like a backyard barbecue kind of thing. But why is, why are neighborhoods and neighborliness maybe a new um, bleeding edge of emphasis that we really, really need to pay attention to? Well, yeah, a couple stories. My daughter, we took her training wheels off and she learned to ride her bike the other day. The next thing you know, we didn't have bikes. So we, we, we walk a lot, but now she, she, she wants to go cruising down through town. And so, uh, so I said, well, I should go and get a bike. And my wife said, well, yeah, then I should get a bike. And so we looked online to find some used bikes. They're hard to find. Because all of a sudden, everybody who's home suddenly is looking out and going, oh, yeah, we do have that bike path here. We mm -hmm. should probably go and bike. Or the garden centers, we were out visiting, and they're sold out. They can't keep anything in because suddenly they are looking out and going, people are sitting in their, in their backyard going, man, remember when we talked about that time that we wanted to put in that flower garden or, or put that apple tree in? We should probably go and do that now. Something, uh, there's something about slowing down and breaking away from our rhythms and routines that helps us see things differently. Our imaginations change. No amount of uh, flyers on your front door saying you should bike or you should plant a tree uh, changes you as, as much as sitting in something for a little while and letting God, I think, renew our imaginations. And I think uh, I didn't have an imagination for loving my neighbor. Uh, until I started keeping bees a few years ago and something changed inside of me and it helped me see my neighborhood. And I think everybody needs an imagination awakening, an epiphany, if you can call it, call it that. And this for a lot of people, I, I think, has been exactly that. It's been an epiphany for how we love our neighbor. And I believe when we love our neighbor, it's a doorway into how we actually engage God. Um, you know, Jesus and Paul, they geolocate our faith in love of neighbor, not in... Uh, no, I've read a lot of books, so this is coming from a guy that, that knows stuff. But, but our faith is not geolocated in books or even in the academy or even in, uh, uh, in, in a worship hall. All those things are great. Jesus and Paul both geolocate our faith in how we love our neighbor. And that is, that is really revolutionary when you start to, 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 do, to do that. And then... The, the worship sanctuary or the academy or books or podcasts all start to fit in around that, but it's all central to how we love our neighbor. And, and between you and your neighbor grows something like um, Paul in Galatians talks about, um, you know, when we love our neighbor, we fulfill the entire law. And then right after that comes the fruit of the spirit. If you live in uh, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all these things grow between you and others because that's where the holy spirit nurtures it i thought i thought it was deep in my soul that the fruit of the spirit was was nurtured that if i just that if i just li lived into god enough i will experience joy and love and peace and patience but all all those words are highly relational um, we need another person 
to experience peace because who do you conflict with? A person, right? Uh, kindness. It requires somebody that you can be kind to and receive kindness from. So because I, I'm, a, I'm a hedonistic guy, like I really want good things, right? I, I want love. I want peace. I want joy. Like I'm desperate for, for these, these things. And I'm discovering them in the simple relationships between me and my neighbors. I was, I was on one front porch of Bill, Bill the other day, and we were chatting it up, keeping our social distance in our backyard to us and our neighbors. We don't have a fence between us. And we, and we spent a good hour just standing there from a distance chatting about things. Nothing feels better than standing across from somebody who lives close to you, who shares the same air you are breathing, <laughs> uh, shops at the same grocery store, and, and we get to compare notes about how things are going with our dog and our kids and our life and all of that stuff. And, and I walk away with a taste of what the fruit of the spirit's like. I go, Oh, I, I get it. I get why Jesus geolocated our faith in amongst a neighborhood with the people mm. around us. This is, this is good. And so I, I, I guess I've just begun to dedicate much of my life and work as a pastor to helping others geolocate their faith in this, in this place too. Right. When you talked about having an imagination for how to see your neighborhood, how to love your neighbor, can you maybe expand on that a little bit? I'm asking you to do that because I think there are some people who think of whose really only um, association with the word imagination is like kids stuff, right? Kids mm -hmm. imagine. When you say Christians need to develop or grow an imagination for how to love their neighbors, what is that a summons to for you? Yeah, it's, well, I, I kind of grew up with a couple things happening and I've shared this before, but the, we, we teach our kids how to stop using their imagination. Frankly, mm. <laughs> my daughter will dance and sing and talk to her invisible bunny. Well, she has a bunny that, that she gives voices to and they sing songs and they cook things up in the kit in their pretend kitchen. And, and it is, it is, it is a weird little world that unfolds every day as my six-year-old piles downstairs to, to uh, she's living in a different world, right? And, uh, you know, and I need her to sit down for breakfast. I need her to brush her teeth before bed. You know, we have to do real-world things. But, man, she, is, she has an active imagination. And um, I am sometimes guilty of knocking that out of her uh, in saying, come to the real world. And I think we think that we're doing our children a really good service when we're trying to knock them into the real world to worry about things like, like, you know, you got to pay your bills. You got to, you know, hold down a steady job. You got to pay attention to the time and the clock and be responsible for this or that or the other thing. But I think that it's actually in our imagination that we, be, I, our imagination isn't some weird byproduct, an accidental um, an accidental addition to our brain that when God was designing us to be very, you know, to put everything in nice boxes that all oh, around, he accidentally put in this thing called an imagination. I think our imagination is a gift from, from God. In fact, it's in our imagination that we can dream, we can hope, we can, we can receive help, we can find ourselves in despair and, and see the ways God is meeting us. And, and think of how I can go sitting in my chair where I pray and read my Bible, and I can go from sitting down and starting out in, in despair or pain and stand up from, from that chair half an hour later, sensing God's care and compassion and love and, and also having an imagination for what I'm to do for the rest of my day or, or my, my week. 
so much happens in our imagination and we frankly are trained not to trust it. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. Our imaginations have led us astray. My imaginations put things in my head that I've ended up turning into actionable items that, that totally burned me and maybe other people too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've played out situations where I hate somebody and I want to hurt them and I have hurt them and it's been bad. But I think that that's where, you know, the Bible talks about the renewing of the mind. And this is this moment where we bring our imagination and say, God, help me not to disband my imagination, but to uh, let you activate it and let me trust what you're doing in my imagination. Because this is actually the place where you're going to speak to me and I would develop my life of prayer. Uh, and so in my daughter, I'm, I, I believe that she might be talking to her little bunny right right now. But soon she'll be talking to Jesus because I think God is flexing her little imagination to prepare her, if she's not already, to talk to her father who loves her deeply. And so I'm learning to let my imagination, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. And so far, it's been okay. <laughs> I, have, I have dreamed of crazy things and we've done weird stuff. And, it's, and God has opened me up to neighbors and friends and projects that have been really, really fun. So. Mm. Well, and when you say that, part of my concern, because I've seen it, I've seen it in certain seasons of my own journey, where, like you said, I, I, I hold, maybe not intentionally, but I've just inherited a fundamental distrust mm-hmm. my imagination, or God creating certain impressions, or ideas, or visions, or dreams. Um, that there, there's a real. Um, I mean, I would say it just leads to a faith that at the ground level doesn't seem very exciting there there is a real stuntedness to things is there can be over time a real staleness mm-hmm. if um if there isn't i mean imagination is tied very much in children to play and it's the same with adults right like if we don't give ourselves space to play in the dream and to prayerfully ponder possibilities yeah we can we can come back to defaults like hey my neighbor's in trouble uh, i'm gonna cook them a meal that's awesome what a blessing right but it's a different level altogether to kind of say, God, I invite you to just, like you said, activate my imagination. Show me uh, maybe another way, a different way that my neighbor needs to be cared for during this time. And that might lead us down a path that is uh, unbelievably fruitful, but wouldn't have come about if we just said, you know, it's meals, it's it's a little... Uh, card with a nice greeting on it that that that, that's what neighbor care looks like and i've done it and i move on yeah that is neighbor care removed um when we are apart from our neighbors we our imagination stunted as it often is can only dream of two or three things as as responses well the other day because i i try to connect with my neighbors i know what a lot of people are are about i was i was doing something and i I was reading about somebody in like New York that put a microphone every night out their window just to record sounds on the street and people tune in to listen to the sounds of new New York. Mm. And I, and I leaned back and I realized one of my neighbors is a, he is a very well-known film audio recording guru. So when they film something in Southern Alberta, they, they hire him to come and record the audio from it. So so I call him up because I know that they aren't making films right at the moment. So I call him up and I, and, and, and I said to him, why don't we record the sounds of Chestermere? He said, I'm, I'm all over that. Let's do it. So we're scheming now. The strangest thing. We're scheming. Me, because I know who my neighbor is and I love him and I know what he's about and I know what drives him. I know that he loves art more than anything else. 
and my dream to like just create things and love neighbors and pay attention to our place. Like I could never in a million years have thought of part of my daily routine would be, we're going to go and record our community and create like an, like some free to listen audio soundtrack of our city. Mm. And what that's going to do, I believe is a, it's just awesome to work with this guy. It's awesome to pay attention. It's great to make things. Uh, it'll, it'll be fun and hopefully people will share it and then they'll listen to it and go, Oh yeah, I didn't realize there was that many birds down by the lake or I didn't realize that the, 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 the those crazy sounds down by that pond or by the grocery store or whatever, whatever. It doesn't really matter, but it just means that that, that idea only came about because I was present paying attention and I know some, somebody if I'm not present, not paying attention, I don't know anybody, then my ideas for how I love my neighbor is like one, two, or three. Like that's kind of all, all I got. But because I know my neighbors, my one neighbor down the way, uh, he is home a few days a week and he needed a truck. I got a little truck and he asked to borrow it and he did it, right? Um, and, and so that is, that's a, that's a simple thing, but it, but it meant that he needed to know me, trust me, and have bravery enough to say, can I use your truck? And I go, yes, of course, right? And, mm. and it opened up all sorts of great, great, great times. And so uh, these, we need to be present for our imaginations to be alert because it's in the presence that I think God's spirit is, is whispering and God's spirit is saying, hey, Preston, you should, you should record audio because I love the way your city sounds, <laughs> right? Uh, and so what does it look like for people to be present during a pandemic? I actually don't really have an easy pad answer for it. But I think when you lean into being present, doors open up and you know how to, to respond, right? I think, I think God's waiting for his hands and feet, his people to be present and be responsive. That's really helpful for me because it, it puts, um, it, it frames a, a, a a reality that I see in my life when I'm hurried, mm-hmm. which is the faster my life is going, the more hurried I am in either in my interiority or my externality, the more um, flat and uniform and monochrome mm. my expression of neighborly love is, right? That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when I listen to you speak, what I'm hearing is if we, if we really want to, deepen not just our appreciation and love towards God, which you do hear sometimes in Christian circles, right? Oh, the pandemic, this is a really good time time to slow down and become more aware of God's presence and lean into certain spiritual disciplines. It's equally as important to do that for the sake of one's neighbor so that we can maybe transition ourselves out of a, an efficiency mindset where we're moving very quickly and mm-hmm. um, ticking a lot of boxes but not loving our neighbors well. Maybe they don't receive it as such. Maybe they think they, they are being loved well because that's what they know too. Because every, every, there's just a hurried, frenzied, um, well-intended care that's happening. But I, I think what you're saying really, really helps me think through the ramifications of if I'm really taking seriously Jesus's charge to bring the love and grace and um uh, power of God into my relationships. I'm just not going to be able to do that with that. That's not going to be compatible with a mindset of haste and efficiency and maybe even effectiveness as it's um, understood in terms of getting a lot done in a short amount of time. 
Well, sure. And, and I think, I think that we do think that we are, our charge is to bring something to our neighbors. But I'm learning as I discover what it is to be human, made in God's image, that I also need some things. I need to be loved and I need to be known. These are actually human needs. And if I say, I don't need to be loved and I don't need to be known, I, I'm just a conduit for God's love and God's knowing and I get, get to know others. Um, I think we've seen what that attitude has done in Christianity for a long time. It's a whole bunch of people, I think, that, are, that really want to love God, and they think that they're always outputters, that they bring into the world God's peace and love and so on. But I think that half of hospitality is receiving hospitality, is to be welcomed into someone's life. And that, that, that's actually essential. So we can have a world full of Christians that, that are secretly very lonely, secretly very isolated, because they've actually not let anybody love them. Mm-hmm. They've not let anybody know them. And so I actually get to know my neighbors and love them, because guess what they do in return? They know me. They know my stories. They know Quirky Preston, and they know all the things that, that I'm about. And I walk down my street. I, I was in the grocery store the other day, and I had my head down. I was just, you know, picking up my milk and my cucumbers and whatever I was, I was on, on the hunt for. And because I sometimes think that I'm, uh, that I'm unknown in the grocery store. Well, it's my neighborhood grocery store. Of course I'm not known, but I, but I sometimes get in this headspace. And as I got to the till, always looking down, I look up and the girl behind the till is the daughter of somebody I know pretty, pretty well. And I've gotten to know her. She's like, oh, hey, Preston. I look over and the person behind me is like, hey, Preston. And then the person in front of me is like, hey, Preston. And I'm surrounded by these people who are probably watching me with my head down, totally oblivious to the fact that I'm surrounded by people who know and love me. I left that grocery store with a whole different feeling, right? I, I, I experienced that I wasn't bringing the fruit of the Spirit to my world, but I was also the partaker of it. I was crunching on a big, juicy fruit of the spirit apple that that day as I left there going, I am known and loved. God wants all of his people to be known and loved. And I think we experience the love of God through other people too. And, and I left there going, God really loves me. I'm surrounded by people who love me and it made me praise God for it. And so I think, I think, I think right now we probably have a lot of lonely and isolated people and Christians who feel like they aren't doing enough and they aren't giving enough and so on. And, I wonder if this is a season for us to also receive, right? Uh, and, and, and that's going to involve us getting to know other people who can give to us too. And that isn't a, a weird, selfish, narcissistic thing, actually. <laughs> there's a give and take of love and relationality. Even in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there's a, there's a relationality going there. They love and know one and, and the other. And we're invited our theology says we're invited into the middle of that love relationship. And so how much more are we meant to in the middle of a love relationship between us and those around us here, here on our street in our cul-de-sac down or down the, the road. So. Isn't that interesting? I, as you're, as you're speaking and as you're sharing, I just picture this, I picture someone listening and certainly for me, and I'll confess certainly even currently times that I fall into the temptation of thinking, well, um, there's kind of an inverse correlation between my maturity and growth and depth in God and my need for other people. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't really know where I picked that up from, yeah. but it's, it's, it's a sense of as I grow quote unquote strong in the Lord or in my relationship with God, as I mature as a Christian, 
I should need other people less. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, I think what that does very practically, I can sense it in myself. I can see it in people around me going on that same journey is you have this, uh, deepening theological appreciation and articulation for, for many, many things, but you're just very, very lonely. Mm -hmm. You feel not refreshed. And, and yet you sort of presume, I guess that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, and it's, and it's interesting. Uh, this is, this, this is a bit of a theological leap, but I, but, but I think that it's too, too, to your point. God as self, as internally self, um, sustaining as God is, God saw fit to be in a relationship. <laughs> um, not only in, in the Trinity, but then with humans. Uh, it, it was, I dare say, it might have even been necessary out of God's deep love. Love, produ- love, love makes things, right? Love produces uh, and, uh, and love builds contact with the other. And, and I think that that's why God created the other people. <laughs> uh, we, we are not uh, God and God saw fit and said, this is wonderful that I now get to relate to this creation of mine that has its own choices to make and Preston can choose to follow me or not. But it's in the joy of relating to this strange person, Preston, that I think God receives joy from, from it. Right. Uh, and, and then I think I also receive joy from it. And this is, this is this deep level of beauty that I think that I'm coming back around to. Uh, so this vision of monks, uh, that live in caves or high up on a tower, uh, away from the world. And that's how we get to this level of, um, of righteousness or holiness or something. Uh, when I even go and read the desert fathers and mothers, almost always they, their, their wisdom comes back to loving others. Even these people who lived in caves realize I need other people. Mm -hmm. And they actually have a lot of insight for us there too. And so I think, I think actually the, the wiser God is leading me, the more he's leading me into other people. And I'm grateful because I, I think that God's helping me dodge a bullet. I don't want to be a 90-year-old pastor who no one knows. I am cut off from other people because it's just me and God in my lazy boy recliner and my Bible open on, on my lap. Mm. My dream is that I'm on a rocking chair on my front porch and these kids are coming by and sitting on my front porch and we're still laughing and telling silly jokes uh, while I'm this silly old, old guy, you know, um, eating soup out of a can or something. Right? I mean, this, this, is, this, is, this is my vision for who I want to be. Uh, and it's true. I think most of my neighbors here uh, know me first as, as, as Preston and then they discover after that I happen to be a pastor. But by then, they have known me as a person and, uh, and I'm super grateful for it. Hmm. What's it, what's it like to be a pastor during a pandemic? I know you can't speak for all pastors, but you're in a unique situation is that in that you are a pastor in a pandemic, yeah. but your wife is also frontline worker. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what has this experience been like for you and how has it altered or changed or amplified or brought into view some of these themes that you've been, uh, that you had been mulling over for years before this situation? Yeah. Well, first thing is it's really really weird. <laughs> like, like, mm-hmm. like I have, I've never, you know, you, you wonder about all of the weird things that can happen in your life. You know, you lose a loved one or lose a job or, you know, going to bankruptcy. And, you know, I think people think of different problems that, that they might encounter. 
uh, I don't think anybody was sitting around saying, hmm, pandemic, that's something I should probably, you know, mentally prepare for. So, so I, I, I just dedicated like literally zero part of my imagination to pandemic. But this is the interesting thing. I, I think in my passion for love of neighbor, I've been looking for allies in it and asking smart people, um, am I crazy that I really think the church ought to be all about love of neighbor and that it's through that doorway that we grow in spiritual formation, we grow as followers of Jesus, that, you know, the love of neighbor is the doorway for all, all the rest of it. And I found some allies along the way and our little groups online as we talk about this. It's great. I, I have my, my affinity group. Now all of us are connecting online. We're like, we are like the spotlights on this conversation. Like yeah. we've been waiting for years for, for people to awaken to this conversation of how we love our neighbor. And now everybody's turning in and there's stuff in New, New York Times and, uh, you know, all, all these major magazines are all about how we care for the person beside us. Mm-hmm. Because right now we can't really rely on the government. We, we might get a check from them or something, but, but uh, we can't rely on services. Most of them are shut down. We can't rely on so many of the things that we used to. And what do we got left over? Knocking on our neighbor's door and saying, I need help or I can help. And this is like the fundamental, apparently it's the fundamental building block of society is neighbor. And I believe it's the fundamental building block of faith too. And so, so we are re-encountering this and it's kind of, it's kind of like reassuring all this lifetime of work or uh, recent lifetime of, of work that I've been working on, which is how we love our neighbors. I'm leaning back. I'm going, this is good. This, this, this is, Mm. this is working, you know, Um, it works. It's alive. So in yeah. your in your context, um, was there just was there a lot of receptivity to that theme before? And the reason why I'm asking is because I can imagine this in kind of a suburban context, people are just moving at a mile a minute, oh, and so yes. deep reflection on neighborliness and neighborhoods, even for people who are like, well, maybe in a different life I would be interested in that, but like, I don't have time. Like I'm just waking up. Oh, without a doubt. Going to work, grinding it out, you know, trying to recoup some energy and mental sanity on the weekend and then repeating totally. it. Totally. Maybe yeah. when I'm retired, I'll, you know, yeah. read some of your stuff or think through it. Totally. But. Totally. Well, yeah. And part of me is glad that, that, that we started this conversation quite some, some time ago because, I mean, you, you don't need 51% of the people to, to agree with you to, to affect change. And mm-hmm. luckily that number is much, much lower. It's like five or 6%. And so um, we, we have about five or 6% of the people in this town who are interested in this conversation of love, love of neighbor. We have, we had, I think 43 block parties last, last year. And that, that grew from, from just, just a small handful. Uh, So people were starting to kind of go, "Oh, oh, oh, when I lived in Strathmore, 20 minutes down, down the road, if you talked about Chestermere, the sentiment was that's a closed place. They're just a bunch of people that care about themselves. They don't care about each other. Uh, they have, there's no services there. There's nothing. It's just a bunch of people that sleep in homes and go and work in Calgary to try to make enough money for the weekend. Exactly what you were saying. So there was five, I think four or five other churches tried planting here uh, over the years. And almost all of them aren't around anymore. And then, so when a group of people said, we should start a church here, I think people thought, we, we are crazy. No, no, no one cares. Hmm. And what I, what I learned, and this is coming back to maybe a, a B analogy, was we moved here and people said, oh, 
in the same way they said, well, no, starting a community in Chestermere, just, it just won't, won't, won't fly. They just aren't ready for it. Similarly, people knew that we were gardeners and they said, oh no, there's something wrong with the dirt, with the soil in Chestermere. Like if you try growing something, nothing grows there, right? And so these were two voices that were kind of yipping in our ears as we both moved into plant a church and plant a garden. But when I moved here, I realized the one thing that was missing was bees, was pollinators. There was no insects going around between these plants. Plants can't grow if there's no pollinators uh, in their environment. It's a new neighborhood, so they strip the ground, they put in fake, mm. <laughs> put in sod, and there's just nothing natural here. And so, of course, there are no bees, there's no birds, there's no tweeting and sounds of life. So I used that, or God, I think, brought that to my attention very early on and said, no, what this community needs is pollinators. It needs people who are willing to move between others to be the, the connectors, to be the people that know each other's names and know where the life is found and, and pay attention. And that became my little metaphor. And I was like, oh, so I'm not really planting a church. I'm a pollinator. I'm moving amongst, paying attention and being alert to what God's doing. Oh, I can do that. I don't even have to be big to do that. I don't have to be famous. I don't have to be good at what I do. I just have to move. And so we did. We planted this church by just moving. And lo and behold, we discovered all over the place, there's a whole bunch of people want community. There's a whole bunch of people moved here because they thought it would be the good life and they want the good life and they are discovering it. And so right now, man, it is, it, it is not hard to get neighbors to meet each other because I think the pump was primed some years, years ago. And now people are waiting out on their front porches and you, and it's hard to walk by without them going, Hey, Hey, you over there, please come over and talk to me. I'm lonely or I want, I have something to share. Right. So yeah, it's great. No, that's so good. Uh, I really hope that through this conversation, there would be people who would say, uh, loving your neighbor. Certainly if I was, if I've been a part of the uh, Christian journey for a long time, that is very familiar to me, but Preston's kind of, put a new spin on it. He's kind of opened up yeah. this little crack in the imagination for like, Oh, maybe, maybe I do yeah. have a stunted imagination about that. What, what are uh, resources or places that you would direct people on, the, on those very first steps of saying, I'm hearing Preston talk. And like, there's a real resonance here. There's an excitement. I have yeah. no idea what that looks like for me in my home in my particular neighborhood, but I kind of, I, I can feel this energy. I feel that excitement I, I want to start down this road. Where, where would you suggest people start? Oh man, there's, yeah, there, there's some really cool books being, being written these, 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 these days. Uh, well, first a really great film is called Godspeed. Um, it's free. You can, you can, you can watch it yourself. Uh, and it's pretty much says it's based on, you know, people move at three miles, walk at three miles an hour. Maybe God also moves at that speed. So what does it mean to walk at God's speed? Hmm. Really great, great film came out recently. Along with it is a little book called Theology of the Ordinary. Uh, so I would, I would suggest going there. Um, Parish Collective is this really great group of people. They have written some, some, some really good, good books, and there's more coming out all the time. There's a conference called the Inhabit Conference. That's all about parish ministry, local love of neighbor. You can probably follow a few links and find speakers and authors that are part, part of that. Um, I, I, I wrote a book, Bees of Rainbow Falls, Finding mm -hmm. Faith, Imagination, and Delight in Your Neighborhood. Uh, and I'm in the middle or nearing the end. I'm, I'm editing the tail end of my, of my next book, which, which, which I'll be announcing here soon. And so, but the neat thing is, is all these books are being written by, by practitioners. No one in this conversation wants to be, wants to 
pretend and just be some guru on a mountaintop saying you should do this, this, this. The only way that you can come to love of neighbor is by doing it. Mm. And so I love that all the people that are writing these great books on neighboring and parish and faith in, in the neighborhood, these are like small time people in little places. And it gives me a lot of hope because guess what? I'm a little guy in a little place. You're yeah. a little guy in a little place. We're all little guys in little places. And suddenly it gives us such courage to go, oh, so I can just begin here now, like geolocating my faith in my neighborhood. My goal is just to love and be loved, know and be known, and let God's Holy Spirit produce fruit between us and them. Oh, believe me, that is, there's, there's more than a little bit of an epiphany going on inside of that mm-hmm. kind of conversation for sure. That's great. Well, I want to thanks for thank you for joining us, Preston. I feel like in one conversation, you've both um, simplified the central task of uh, serving God and loving neighbor, and at the same time, just exploded out a new horizon of the possible. <laughs> it's like it's well, these two tension points, but I think it's so healthy because for me, I'm like, yeah, such a deep ap- affirmation of the center of our faith, and at the same time, uh, just a not a not a discouraging realization at all, but just a a mind-blowing realization of all the potential that's out there if we're willing, like you said, to slow down, to be present, to listen, to invite God to show us the particular ways that our neighbors and our neighborhoods need to be loved. And this this is a great time to begin flexing those muscles because we have the extra margins to do that, right? You bet, you bet, man. Hey, and and I just want to encourage everybody at in 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 Nelson. There, you guys live in such a beautiful part of of, of the world. Go outside, stand under one of your beautiful trees, and uh, see if if you can socially distance, meet meet some 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 neighbor. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks so much, Preston. I really appreciate hey, bless you, man. Coming out time, and we'll look forward. It's Bees of Rainbow Falls. What's what's your like? Uh, website is it like preston well you, you you can google my name and it'll take you there's a website that i call have called into the neighborhood.ca and that's okay. uh there's there's resources there but we're just uh, uh very soon we're in the middle of rebuilding something and we are actually creating a little little creative studio a ministry of lake ridge community church uh i'll be coming out with that soon it's it's still kind of hush hush but i've been planning this for the last couple of years we are we're going to create resources downloadable things books you can buy um lots of information about how to love 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 neighbor and we're but we're going to do it out of our church so we're going to have other voices of people who are who are talking about how they experience love of neighbor and uh i just think that there's such a need right now for for people to write and tell stories about what they're creatively pursuing and so so we're going to be doing that and some of that's going to, going to be coming out soon but yeah no happy to follow along and and I'm just a guy in a little house in Chestermere. So that means that you can like drop me a line and say hi and talk about what, what you're experiencing too. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that invite. That's really, really exciting to hear that uh, project. I'm sure many people are going to look, look forward to. Uh, yeah, I am too. Looking forward to that. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Preston. We'll end it there and uh, have a great day. And again, thank you so much for joining. Amen. Thanks.